If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the longest running Gold Coast Sun show on the interwebs. I'm your host Shane and thanks to our Patreon sponsors, Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Tom Kim and Tim. Uh, thanks so much for your support. You keep the lights on and the show running every single week. And welcoming to the rotating guest chair this week, Jason Churchill, the uh, famous Suns with a Jacket fan, and you can hear his thoughts every week on ABC Radio. Welcome to the show, Jason. Good evening, Shane. Thank you so much for having me, buddy, and uh, good to see the Suns get a win on the weekend. Yeah, it's good. Uh, what the, the fourth win for the year, um, and it was a solid win as well. Every time the, the Suns, uh, every time Hawthorne, seemed to get a goal or a couple of goals in a row. The Suns were able to peg it back and get a couple in a row on their own. I don't think, with the exception of that first quarter, I think the Suns' defensive unit held up pretty solidly and didn't let Hawthorne get more than two goals in a row at any other point of that game. So Yes. Yeah, yeah it's Which really is- encouraging because that's really a good sign of a, a defensive unit to be able to stop that flow of goals. And the yes. Suns were able to hit back with their own, which is just as encouraging. So, go, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, 100%, 100% totally agree, Shane. It's, um, the, the consecutive goals is uh, what really uh, makes a difference between the, uh, the, the average teams and, uh, and the good teams. You can see how they can uh, shut down defensively, slow the game down a bit and stop teams getting on a roll. And um, the Suns have been able to do that for, for the majority of the season. And it was great to see it for four quarters against Hawthorne, albeit against a depleted Hawthorne. They were missing Jager O'Meara and uh, absolutely in a rebuild phase. But, yeah, it's it's good learnings. And, and yeah, they're still a very, very young Suns team. And I think the young Suns um, will be spoken of for this season and this season alone because from 2022, I think the expectation is going to be very different and there'll be no more excuses and, uh, oh, they're still young, they're still learning. I think they've had enough time now over the last couple of seasons under Stuart Jew and, and throughout this season as well that um, this is a, looks like a pretty good launching pad. Um, and 2022, I think it's seriously finals uh, I, I really I can see the Suns making finals next year uh, all things being equal at this point in time and you can see a lot of signs and uh, the Hawthorne game uh, showed some of those signs once again yeah and uh, we'll touch in on more about the Hawthorne game in just a moment coming up on the show as well we're also going to talk about the the Gold Coast Suns and how we think they've gone for the mid-season review uh, it's been 11 games uh a few games that we expected to lose, a few games that we expected to win and didn't. But uh, overall, we'll get into our thoughts on that later in the show. And then to finish up on tonight's show as well, we're going to talk about the mid-season draft, which happens this time tomorrow night. The Suns have two selections in that draft, and we are expecting 
at least a a new ruckman to come into the side to give the Suns a, a hand in that area of the ground. So let's kick off tonight's show with the Hawthorne game. Gold Coast, 17 goals, 11, 113 defeated Hawthorne, 11 goals, 10, 76. A 37-point win for the Suns, which was a very comprehensive win. Uh, King and Rankin both finished the game with four goals each, showing just how dangerous the Suns are in attack with our young, young, flashy forwards. And uh, Alex Sexton bobbed up with three himself. So lots of goal kickers there. And it was the biggest score the Suns had uh, under Stuart Jew since he came into the to coach the side, wasn't it, Jason? It was indeed their highest score in four years, in fact. So, uh, yeah, Stuart Jew's, uh, I think it's a, what's his third season in charge. And, um, yeah, 2017, I think it was, where they, uh, they managed uh, about 120 in a game. So... Uh, Encouraging signs. Um, we love to see teams kick a score, um, but also to hold Hawthorne to just 11 goals was uh, was fantastic. Yeah. So Stuart used fourth season in charge, and it was good to see him, see the boys get a win and score, because that, that's really what we've been wanting as Suns fans. I don't know about you, Jason, but going to the Metricon home games, I'm sitting there, it, it crosses my mind at least once a game, <laughs> are we going to get the 60 points so we can get that free Big Mac from McDonald's? And <laughs> of all the times it's happened this season, it wasn't at Metricon. It was a home game in Sydney of all places. And we'll get on to that later, but it's yes. just good to see the Suns finally kick a winning score uh, in a game, you know? Yeah, yeah. My son and I enjoyed a Big Mac at lunchtime on Sunday. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Isaac Rankin, Ben King, Alex Sexton, and uh, the hardworking midfield. And, uh, a great team defensive effort to uh, to get them over 60 points, which was, uh, well, they were 68 at half time. So uh, we were celebrating at half time for a Big Mac. So it was fantastic. So Miller had 37 disposals, 10 contested, 10 score involvements, and a goal. So he continues his terrific run of form and really starts to push himself uh, in the mind of all Australian selectors. Do you think we might see Tuke Miller make it, make it that far? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he for the f- uh, first time since uh, Gary Ablett, uh, it's five games, five consecutive games in a row. He missed one through suspension, unfortunately, because he'd be up there in the Brownlow as well. Um, but five games in a row, he's had thirty plus disposals. I know it's not all about disposals. We see some cheap disposals being won by by some players, but Tuka's in and under and getting them in the midfield and then, and having some really good. Um, uh, positional play and really would run once he leaves the contest. So he's earning each and every one of those uh, disposals and uh, 37 on the weekend and a 30-plus five games in a row, which has got him undoubtedly right now halfway point of the season. He would be in the squad of 40, um, no doubt whatsoever in my mind. Yeah, he's he's doing really well. And I think I saw something the other day saying that he was uh, fourth in the leader count for the coaches' votes, and that's a good indication of where a player could poll in the Brownlow. And I don't think there's too many Suns players taking points off him. Uh, great performance by Turk Miller. Uh, one of the other standouts for the game was Brandon Ellis, 28 disposals and a goal. But I was most impressed with the way that he worked from the back line to set up the score for this Suns in attack. There was one play in particular, I think it was in the second quarter, 
where Hawthorne were challenging again and they, they'd really tightened up on the corridor, but Brandon Ellis with the ball at half back was able to uh, bite off a kick into the middle of the ground and really set the Suns up for an attack going forward and it resulted in a goal. Uh, it was just good to see that Brandon Ellis, a senior head at the Suns, is getting involved and setting the tone early for these young kids. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Turk is um, in career best form at the moment, and he's one of the more experienced, even though relatively young himself. Um, Dave Swallow's been in terrific form, also one of the more experienced players. But Brandon, this is why they brought Brandon Ellis to the club. He's, he's experienced, he's been there, he's won premierships, he's uh, seen a, an elite unit go about it, and he knows what is required. And you do see him, uh, I've seen him remonstrate a little bit in um, not over the top, just come on guys, we should have done this when a goal has been scored. I've been watching him very closely this year. He's been super consistent. He brings great energy to the group. He brings obviously great knowledge as well. Um, when they got him, I I didn't rate him as highly as what I do now. I, I thought he was a good player at Richmond, but I would say good and good only. Um, I now consider him a very good player. Um, he's he's gone to the next level since he's been at the Gold Coast and. Um, a fantastic pickup by uh, by the Suns to get him up here and have him on. Uh, I think it was. A, I think he's on a five year contract when they when they signed him a couple of years ago. And uh, his experience, you can't. We hear it all the time. You can't put an old head on young shoulders. And uh, he's not that old, but he's a lot more experienced. He's got a hundred odd games more experience than uh, than the Suns' average player. Um, and you can see that. You can see that extra five seasons of footy and just knowing when to go, knowing when to bite off the corridor, knowing when to swing back and uh, hook back from the wing into defence and help out the defensive unit if they are getting the ball pumped into uh, the defensive uh, side of it. So he his leadership on the field and, and positional play and the education that he's providing some of these younger players, you see the likes of uh, Will Powell, um, Jack Bowes, Jai Farah, these guys are coming along brilliantly this season. Um, and I know that the likes of Dave Swallow, Took, and, uh, and as we're talking about now, Brandon Ellis have really um, got a lot of uh, a lot of credit to take for that because you can see the leadership on the field and it's really paying off in, in games. Yeah, and just on that, I mean, David Swallow, I was one of the first people to have a crack with him. I'm not even sure if you were on the same show that I was uh, early in the year. I had a crack at David Swallow. I thought he could be doing more, and he certainly stepped up. He had 25 disposals, seven clearances, seven tackles, leading by example for the Suns, moved into the midfield again, and he's really having an impact. So it was those three mature bodies for the Suns, Miller, Ellis, and Swallow, that I think really set the tone for the game. And then what we'll discuss next is... The, the talent, the cream of the crop that sort of t uh, filtered through through that midfield. Uh, we saw like King and Rankin down forward having a big impact. We saw Lacocious off half back and um, Flanders running through the midfield. These young kids all getting involved, having a big impact and setting up for a really good win. So what, what were some of the standouts for some of these other players that really took your attention? Jack Lacocious, um, uh, he he was just absolutely superb. He took 14 marks. He had, uh, out of his 27 disposals, he had 23 kicks, and his disposal efficiency was about 78% or thereabouts. And 
<clears throat> I found I, I've enjoyed watching him and a little bit. If you you mentioned Dave Swallow and I, he was played at half forward a little bit over the last period of time, probably the last ten or fifteen games, and trying to run the likes of uh, Noah Anderson through the middle and and what have you. So Dave, um, he always gives 110%. And I just think that he was missing um, some of the connection points and, and he wasn't getting as much of the ball as what I would like. And, and I'm sure what you, what, what all Suns fans would like, it would love to see Dave Solo getting a lot of the ball. But we need to get it in the hands of the elite kickers. And Jack Lacocious is out and out elite. He'd be the top three, I reckon, in the AFL right now. Dave Swallow um, is a very good kick. Uh, but he's not Jack Lacocious. Uh, he can he, he bites off the corridor. He he can he bombed a, a, a drop punt off three steps from fifty five for a goal uh, on the weekend, and, and he set that play up as well off half back. As you he were did. saying, it was a he, terrific piece of uh, work by Lacocious to follow up on the efforts as well, and he got he gets the re- reward, which is what you as a coach yourself you'd want to be drilling that sort of play into into the kids that if you follow up on your hard work, you get the opportunity to get rewarded for it. Definitely. I mean, we're talking about the Hawthorne game. Um, I'm always big picture, bigger picture, and you can see why they've recruited the Isaac Rankins and the Ben Kings, the Noah Andersons. Uh, Obviously, Matt Rowe is a no-brainer. Jack Lacocious, Will Powell, these guys. Um, They're all 10-year players. This is it. This is the this is the exciting thing for this group. They're all similar ages. They're between the age of nineteen and twenty-two, um, twenty-three now. If you throw the likes of Jack Bowes into that, um, they are all going to be elite. And if you've got five or six elite players in your best eighteen and they remain fit, you play finals every year. So you can actually have role players, as we've seen uh, in Richmond, for example. You've got the likes of David Asprey and, and um, even Brandon Ellis to a certain extent. He wasn't a massive ball winner, but he was a little bit of polish on the outside and he might only have 15 possessions and kick two goals, but he did his bit for Richmond. So you can see these role players. They don't have to always get the 25, 30 possessions, uh, as we know. They're, they're so important and the, the elite skill that the Isaac Rankins and, and obviously Jack Lacocious has got uh, is is so rare it, to, for a 20, 20 21 year old to, to be in the top three um, kicks in the game um, they're normally hitting their prime at 25 26 he is that good um, and I've been a little frustrated with him at times during the year where I've gone that, that whether it's Jack or whether it's been the team structure or just one of those nights he, when he only gets 10, 12 14 possessions it's so frustrating because the ball needs to be in his hands, he needs to get 20 possessions, he needs to have 15 kicks as a minimum every single week because those 15 kicks, 14 of them are going to hit someone on the chest, normally 50 metres away because 737 metres gained, he's had games where he's he's been around the 7-800 um, mark and He's playing off halfback, off the wing, and even at times he's played forward, and I think that's where he's had the lower possession games. He can't be too far for he, he needs to be delivering into the forward 50. He doesn't need to be in the forward 50 because uh, he can kick them from 55, 60. So halfback and wing and maybe a, a half forward that comes up the ground is uh, is going to be his sort of a role, and uh, he is... He is approaching elite, certainly just from a, a skills and kicking point of view. But if he continues to get 20 possessions 
plus uh, consistently, um, he will be he'll be spoken about possibly next year as All Australian uh, as well. So uh, we're throwing it out there. It's a big call, but I, I really like what I see with Jack Lacocious. Uh, let's just offer him another three or five year contract and lock him in for to be at the Suns the long term because it's a bright future for him and for for the Suns. Yeah, hopefully we can lock lock in some of this young talent. One player that hasn't been locked in yet that we're hoping will sign at some stage this year, Sam Flanders, moved into the midfield this game, mm-hmm. had a ferocious attack on the footy and got five clearances, 19 disposals, five tackles and 27 pressure acts. I've been talking up Flanders for the last couple of weeks at the little things he does off the ball, the pressure acts. He's always been leading the Suns as far as pressure acts go when he does play. So he's naturally out there hunting the ball and putting pressure on the opposition. So to see Flanders get reward for effort when he gets moved into the midfield uh, really shows that he can can play at this level and not just play but have an impact. And it was thanks to Flanders in the midfield which really helped the Suns get the ascendancy uh, later in the game when it looked like they might be tiring. Definitely, yeah. I've <clears throat> the jury's been out with um, for for me with with Sam Flanders, and I thought that he'd be one of the first, maybe, to be considered to to miss out when Matt Rowell um, was to come back at some point. Because um, we've got Rowell, obviously, um, Jack Bowes, Sam Day, all potentially back in the next couple of weeks. Who, who misses out? I mean, this is this is the issue that, that which is a good issue to have. But Sam, and Sam Flanders w- was probably one of those three or four players that would be considered, in my eyes, up until the last two or three weeks. Because I haven't really watched him that closely, but he's forced me to watch him closely the last two or three weeks. He has been superb um, and surprised me. I didn't realise he was that good. He was sort of a touted as a sort of a, a, a tough, hard, nuggety, sort of half-forward um, good pressure player, not too dissimilar to to a Nick Holman type, um, to a Ben Ainsworth type. Uh, however, he's he's gone through the midfield and more than held his own. He has been very very good and uh, learning his craft the last few weeks because he is still very very inexperienced. Uh, um, off the top of my head, maybe he's had 15, 20 games of footy. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Shane. You might you may know off the top of your head, but he hasn't played that much. He's been in and out in and out of the team a bit last year. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd love to see him uh, stay at the Suns as well. And uh, I think that the squad they've got now, they don't need to tinker with too much. I think they've got the building blocks there. Uh, just a little bit more backup for the uh, for, for the injuries of around the rucks and maybe a, a, a tall key defender. Um, and maybe another forward, but uh, I'll tell you what, there's there's an embarrassment of riches um, right now. It's not quite getting the result that we, we would like. Um, I'd like to think this time next year, if we had the same 11 games, would be 7-4, and four, not 4-7. Four and seven. Yeah, and we'll touch more on that in just a moment. Sam Flanders has 13 career games to his name, so still a lot more to uh, improve on. Uh, I took him... T- Ten games for the penny to drop because his eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth game, I think, have been his best, and his pressure has been awesome. Normally, you relate the pressure to the Nick Holmans, Tuke Miller, and Dave Swallow. Uh, that they seem to be the, the barometer, 
Um, but Sam Flanders looks like he's following in their footsteps. So he'd be crazy to go anywhere, in all fairness, because he's got some very good mentors around him and he's going to be part of a an elite unit that is going to play a lot of finals footy throughout the uh, the, the 2020s, in all fairness. They've got a great decade ahead of them. Yeah, and the only other player I had here to mention was Nick Coleman. He just impressed, as he always does. He hit the scoreboard early and really set the tone with his attack on the footy. And uh, he, he had a rough week. We After the show last week, we uh, had a bit of a marathon trial at the tribunal with Nick Coleman contesting that tackle charge from the other week. Uh, talking to those <laughs> at um, AFL House, uh, the, the lawyers for the the AFL were arguing that it was two motions that tackle and Holman went out of his way to drive the player into the ground. So as ridiculous as that seems, apparently they were making a very, very... Uh, a firm, firm argument for it, you mean? Yeah, yeah it was... Which I, I, that, That's I, why it took ridiculously I'm, long I'm, for them to come down with the decision. And they got the right yeah. decision. But apparently it wasn't all clear-cut as we thought. There was a bit of grey involved in there. And yes. um, in the end, the right conclusion came out because, you know, Holman was in the air during the tackle. He couldn't have done much more. And, no, uh, he, he it was the perfect tackle. It was honestly the perfect tackle because if he, if he didn't, it, there was one motion. What they might have argued the fact that he actually dropped his, um, uh, bent his knees and went to his knees and then fell to the side to avoid going into Mitch Duncan's back. That's what he specifically did. That's not a second motion. That is a, That is all part of the one motion. It was all, and I guarantee you, if you ask Mitch Duncan, he would have said. I was too slow. I got run down by uh, someone who's quicker than me, and it was a perfect tackle. That's that, that's the person that you need to talk to. Um, it was a football action. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing to see here. Move on. That was what I thought initially. I was gobsmacked that he actually got reported in the first place. I think 90% of us were. But as you make, there's always there's always a counter argument, Shane, and um, yeah, anything can happen in a court of law. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, let's finish off this t- game by talking about a couple of things that we weren't too happy with. And the most obvious thing, I think, was the broadcast. The Channel 7 broadcast was probably the worst broadcast footage of Game of Football I've ever seen. Uh If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Uh, terrible camera work. The audio levels were off the interface the, where the scorecard and everything flashed up on the screen. That looks so ugly. Maybe I'm just used to watching uh, Fox games of AFL. But, um, yeah, this Channel 7 broadcast they put out was very, very average. It was it was VFL standard. Um, let, let's be honest. It was VFL standard. I, uh, I, I'll give them a mulligan. I'll give uh, the, the, the AFL and the, and the broadcasters a mulligan for it because this game was only decided uh, to be at the SCG uh, midweek. Um, so they only had a, a limited preparation and I dare say limited staff with um, with the, the COVID outbreak and, um, and the game obviously being well and truly 
planned to be played up in Darwin. So um, we'll give them a mulligan for that, considering uh, three or four days. I don't think they would have had um, all the usual uh, broadcast um, uh, facilities and and uh, and all the cameras that they would have had normally. I'd imagine that would be um, that would be my guesstimate. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case, but it was still very tough to watch. Um, it was. Uh, one of the on-field issues that I wasn't too happy about with the Suns, and this is a pet hate of mine, is Ruckman should never run with the ball, especially trying to shrug off a tackle. What Zach Smith did at that at one point during the game uh, was woeful, and he shouldn't have known better to get rid of the ball. But he he's always had that tendency to try to take a bit too much on and do a bit more because he's always been that athletic style ruckman and i just remember watching him in his first few games for the suns back in 2011 how athletic he was and how he was good with that sort of stuff but maybe age is just catching up with him and he he no longer has the reaction that he used to no, he's he's definitely lost a bit of leg speed. He did. Uh, he, he was he was pretty quick off the mark, and I do recall when he was first uh, when he was first here. And one thing that Geelong liked as well when he ended up going there, they went, "Yeah, we <clears throat> we like the athleticism of uh, of of Zach and his ruck ability." So he, he's never really quite set the world alight for uh, for someone of his uh, of his ability. And now injuries are mounting up unfortunately for Zach and uh, he was always only going to be a VFL and um, player this year and uh, and a backup um, only if Conroy in, in the thousand to one chance that Matt Conroy who was probably going to be the number one um, backup for uh, Jared Witts of course um, if, if they both went down and sure enough they both went down so that's why Zach's in there now and uh, finally there, there was probably a few horrible skill skill mistakes that the, the players made and they were the pretty obvious ones that I think everyone gets annoyed with where you you pretty much kick directly to an opposition player who seems to be all by himself. That happened a few times. I can't pinpoint uh, which players did it. It was late on a Saturday night. I was very tired, yeah. but it was frustrating to see that sort of skill level happen. Uh, I think Mark... I think you're pretty safe and say that Markov does it at least once a game. Um, what he brings with his speed and the ability to break the lines is uh, is offset to a certain extent with his um, uh, his lack of kicking um, ability. Uh, he's not bad, um, but he does turn it over. Uh, and he's the first to admit it as well. He's just not a great kick of the ball, which is a shame because he's lightning quick. So maybe get it in his hands, break the lines, and then handball it. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing uh, Saturday night. Every time he got the ball, I thought, oh, I don't know where he's going to go with this if he kicks it, just handball it. But um, Like Adam Saad. He's, he's not too dissimilar to Adam Saad because Saad would just take off, have two bounces, and then he, Saad isn't a bad kick, but his decision-making at times left, left me very cold. Um, and Markov is a similar sort of player from a really speedy, creative off half-back, but... We really need him to hit targets and um, hopefully with uh, some more continuity, more games under his belt. Because once again, he's he's probably around about the 30 to 40 AFL game mark. So um, if he wants to play 100 games of AFL footy, his kicking's got to improve because uh, the speed thing won't uh, won't just cut it alone, particularly with the, the squad that the Suns have got together. When you consider the likes of uh, Benny Ainsworth and Will Brody, uh, Darcy McPherson, Josh Corbett, 
um, Jack Bowes, Matt Rowell, Sam Day, Jared Witts, Connor Butterick, they're pretty close. 80% of those guys are walk-up starts in the first 22. So um, there's seven or eight players that come straight in. Who, who's seven or eight to go out? And it's going to be someone who uh, turns the ball over, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. So moving on, let's talk about where we're at at the midway point of the season. The Gold Coast Suns have four wins, seven losses, a percentage of 92%, and they're currently sitting 14th on the AFL ladder. Yes, 14th. Um, How do you think we've gone? Because I think we're all frustrated early in the season when we dropped games to Adelaide and Carlton that we thought were very winnable. Uh, Yes. But since then, with the exception of the the show out to the Brisbane game, which in all honesty, we probably weren't that bullish to win anyway. No, no. Maybe the St. Kilda game. I think we've pretty much met expectations uh, since that, those first couple of games that we, we didn't, weren't able to win. Yeah. It, geez, we've, we've been so close. It's been an almost season and you, uh, I'm sure a few teams around the AFL and, and listeners will go, Oh yeah. You, you win, you win some, you lose some. You you lose some close games, you win some close games. But the Suns were were absolutely in it up to their eyeballs in round one in Perth against the West Coast Eagles, and the West Coast blew that game out in the last five minutes. So I think with the last three goals of the game, and they kicked the first three goals in the first three minutes, and in between that, the Suns dominated eighty percent, eighty five percent of that game in round one. And I thought, oh look out. If we won that game, it would have been a very different story. There would have been another level of confidence that the guys would have had, and, and away goes. It just it's so important to bank those early wins. So losing that to that game to Adelaide after a flyer of a start in the first quarter against them over there, and Adelaide are going to be an also ran unfortunately this year. They've, they've had a, a few good wins. They've improved on last year, but they'll be uh, they'll be bottom six. Um, winning that over there in Adelaide would have would have again been a fantastic away win, but. What's hurt more than anything are the two home slogs um, against Carlton and St Kilda where you would have banked those wins, particularly when you look at, I mean, Carlton are, are, are again going to be mid-table, mid mid-lower table. Um, St Kilda haven't lived up to expectations this year and, and both of those games are extremely winnable. They're at home. They're the games that you just need to win. And four and seven isn't bad. But five and six gives you a, 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 certainly a sniff of final, a, a bigger sniff of finals. Not to say four and seven, we're out of it. Um, but we'd need a lot to go our way, particularly with the likes of um, Melbourne and Richmond uh, and Essendon to come, um, uh, who are all in, in, in reasonable form. Um, four and seven's a long way back to try and have a, have a sniff of finals. But five and six, but ideally six and five, if we're six and five after eleven, and we, we we bank those two wins against Carlton and St Kilda, I think yeah anything could have happened from there. But unfortunately, just weren't good enough on the night. We 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 missed those two games. This in twelve months' time, that's not going to happen. It it would be a travesty if that sort of if those sorts of games go uh, go against us uh, in twelve months with the, the talent that we've got, the time that they've had together now. Um, the excuses, and hopefully the second half of the season. Anything can happen the second half of the season as well. We've obviously COVID's rearing its head uh, again, unfortunately, and 
Um, games could be played anywhere. Uh, I think the Suns go pretty well away from home. Um, you talked about the West Coast. Uh, we mentioned the West Coast and the Adelaide games away from home. We went close to winning those. And when you think about it, 11 games, there's only two games where it's just been it's been horrific against uh, the Western Bulldogs and, a, and the Brisbane Lions. But honestly... I would be surprised if at least one of those teams don't make the grand final this year. The, the Brisbane Lions look they look like men versus boys. Um, they're ready. They're they're going to they're going to make the top four. Um, the Western Bulldogs on their day have blown teams away. And the second half against the Western Bulldogs was one of our one of our best halves of the season. So, um, despite getting blown away in the first half and. Um, Obviously, with with Melbourne on top of the ladder, they're, they're obviously a clear top three at the moment, and two of them have got hold of us. But the other nine games have been in absolutely up to our eyeballs. Yeah, we have. Uh, we do have a pretty tough run home, the Suns. I've just been we looking do. over the the ladder predictor, and uh, I mean, we we've got an incredibly difficult stretch of games. Um, later in the year, starting with the Western Bulldogs, followed up with Melbourne and then Brisbane. So three games against likely the top three sides in the competition in three consecutive weeks. That's going to be brutal. We also have games against Port Adelaide, Richmond, GWS, uh, Carlton and Essendon. So six and Sydney, sorry. So six games there against sides that are all sort of pushing for that eight in about we're in around the same sort of position we are some a bit more skillful than us and others around the mark and then we've only got one game against sides in the bottom four on the ladder and that's against north melbourne in a few weeks so very i think down in tassie too and north melbourne have got a fantastic record down there so that won't be easy either (laughs) which is a shame because i've done the breakdown of our average winning and losing margins over the the season so far and against bottom four sides we had three wins and one loss with an average winning margin of 40 points uh, against sides around the mark as us we've had one win and three losses with an average losing margin of 15 points and then against sides in the top four we've had three losses with an average losing margin of 56 points so obviously that 56 points is exaggerated because of the thrashings we got from the bulldogs and brisbane but who's to say that's not going to happen again because those sides are seriously talented and when you add melbourne into that as well and having to play those three teams in three consecutive weeks that could be very demoralizing for the suns it could be, and imagine if, uh, on the flip side, if we won one of them or we won the first of those three, um, how it could be. Oh, hang on a minute. Hopefully, hopefully they take us take us lightly, um, and, and we come out and surprise them and, and, and jump them early. Um, the Brisbane Lions definitely have the wood on us. Um, a couple of practice matches against them at the start of the year, we we jumped out of the blocks. In, in I remember in one of the games, and, and Brisbane banged on ten in a row. They I think they kicked thirteen or fourteen in a row against us there. They are seriously good, the Brisbane Lions, um, and the Bulldogs and Melbourne on their day. They're 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 obviously in the in the top couple and and can beat anybody as well. So no doubt, those three games, those three weeks will be extremely tough. But 
they've got to take some serious learning. They've got to give themselves a crack, a, a chance, and they have a red, red hot crack at it, and, and take some learnings. Worst case scenario, if they do happen to drop those three games, um, take some learnings out of it, and uh, and go into next year knowing that um, we're, we're a, a bigger chance to knock them off next year than probably what we are this year. But there are some building there are a number of building blocks that are looking fantastic there's some really good signs we just need more consistency and uh, and obviously less injuries to the key players because who would have thought Wits Conroy and Day we would have lost in the first couple of weeks on 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 the back of uh, Rowell and, and Butterick I mean they're five extremely important uh, players to uh, the structure of, of the team or four and then uh, and then Matt Conroy as a, as a developing young uh, young ruckman um, we look at that all teams have injuries though I mean Trelaw and Dunkley are huge outs for the dogs at the moment Lockie Neal's been out Cam Rayner for the Lions so it, all clubs are going to go through it um, but the value and the importance of, of no doubt Wits, Rowell and Day in particular um, Day and Wits being two of the most experienced uh, players uh, in the team, and, and two of the tallest in the team, we do look a bit short and a bit a bit light on in the in the height stakes, particularly when we played Brisbane a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so they, where do you think pretty... the Suns are going to finish on the ladder? Your predictions? Is, are they going to get ten win? They're going to finish between tenth and twelfth, maybe eight to ten wins. I think eight to ten wins. Yeah, I, yeah. I reckon. Uh... <sighs> Let's go for nine. Let let let's jag nine wins. I'll I'll, I'll go out and uh, be, be specific, Shane, and say nine wins for the season. We'll finish in around about eleventh uh, or twelfth position with nine wins, depending on what happens around us. And uh, and they'll rue they'll rue those West Coast Adelaide Carlton St Kilda opportunities in the first first six seven six or seven rounds of the season because uh, all of them were very winnable and and you you, you could easily be. 11, 12, 13 wins um, on the back of that if they were to get nine. So finishing the last 11 games, five and six, would be a fantastic effort because it is a very tough draw that they do have. Um, they are playing a lot of top eight teams and uh, will need to bring their best. And uh, hopefully with, with Jack Bowes and, and Matty Rowell and Sam Day back uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, don't expect them, uh, certainly Rowell and Day, um, after longer term injuries, don't expect them to set the world on fire in the first uh, in the first couple of games. But they really help our structure and the desperation around the team because I'm struggling to find who's going to miss out. Um, I mean, Caleb Graham's been been very good and he's 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 missed out on the weekend. Um, Josh Corbett had a bit of a quiet game and probably uh, lost his spot on the back of that. But prior to that, he'd been very competitive. Darcy McPherson, Will Brody, Ben Ainsworth. Uh, Braden Fiorini. I mean, there's some there's some very good talent there. They just haven't been able to uh, to get in the get in the team with the, the structure and the way they're playing. So um, there is uh, a a lot of uh, a lot of depth. Which there's a lot of young depth, a lot of young talent uh, across the the top 28 players uh, at the club, which is fantastic. Um, so I'm bullish. I'm very bullish on them and. Um, I guarantee you, if we're, if they were sitting here six and five, we'd be having a different conversation, talking about can we jag another five wins and hold on to good percentage and maybe sneak eleven wins and maybe sneak into eighth. You don't want them to do that and get smashed in the first final, like fifth versus eighth. They come up against a Port Adelaide in Adelaide, for argument's sake, and get done by ten goals, and then and then it can hurt them for the following season. I'd rather them finish 
on a high, <clears throat> winning it, winning half of their half of their games and another four or five games in, in the in the latter half of the season, finishing a competitive position, twelfth, uh, eleventh uh, on the ladder somewhere, and be ready from round one and just just bank those wins and bank bank three or four early wins in the first five or six rounds and set the season up. That's what they need to do and they didn't do it this year. They had the chance and they missed it. Yeah, so I'd be thinking something similar for the Gold Coast Suns. The highest uh, highest uh, they've ever finished on the ladder is 14th and that was with eight wins. So if the Suns can achieve that or more, I'm going to be very happy with that, especially considering the loss of Wits Day Rowell for all or most of the 2021 season. Um, so yeah, if if we can... Keep our uh, keep the. Persp- oh, I'm going. I'm having a mind fart. If we can keep <laughs> our eyes on what is actually in front of us with the reality of the tough run home, the Gold Coast Suns should be able to snag a few wins, but we shouldn't expect them to be pushing for finals. I think the injuries have just hurt us too much. Um, De- we needed to be we needed to be a hundred percent fit to try and jag twelve wins this season. We would have had to be at, be at our absolute best. Pinch games like the West Coast Adelaide game away from home. Pinch pinch one or both of those and have everyone fully fit, and we might have snuck into seventh or eighth. That that would have been best case scenario because the top six or seven teams uh, are still ahead of us. But when it clicks and it's starting to. Once it clicks each and every week, like it has really started to for the Brisbane Lions the last two and a half seasons, um, it'll be self-perpetuating. The, the, the perpetual motion that will just carry through the group where they have an expectation to win every week, not an expectation to compete and a, and a deep-down hope that we, we might jag a win. They'll have an expectation to win every week. Brisbane Lions go out in the road or play at the Gabba. They have an expectation to win every game. Melbourne are in that headspace at the moment. And last year, what did they finish? They are bottom four. So uh, for the first half of the season, they are bottom four. They won a few games in the second half of the season and improved. Uh, Prior to that, they they finished top four the year uh, year before. So it can really turn very, very quickly. And you you can get on a roll and you can meet teams on an off day. They might meet a a, a Brisbane or a Melbourne or a Bulldogs uh, or a couple of them on an off day. And uh, and Jag will win. Um, so and then momentum builds, and they win the next couple in a row, and all of a sudden everyone's having a different conversation. So footy's a funny game, and I'm not prepared to write the season off yet, Shane. I'm 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 yeah. I don't think they'll make the eight. I don't think they'll probably won't finish top ten. But I, I I'm not willing to write the season off yet because funnier things have happened, and uh, they could quite easily go over and knock over Fremantle. And then come here and knock over Port Adelaide at home, and all of a sudden we're six and seven, and it's a very different headspace going into a tough run of games. Yeah, yeah, things like that could happen. Uh, tomorrow night the mid-season draft is on. We've only got two minutes left, so I'm just going to quickly run over this, and then we'll end up the show, Jason. Uh, sure, the Suns were keen on selecting Michael Noel, the Norwood Ruckman, averaging 31 hitouts. Uh, former Sydney player. He's failed a medical uh, test with his knee injury he suffered playing for Sydney, so he seems to be ruled out now. 
and the Suns will have two available slots and will likely select between Wiley Buzzer, the Werribee forward ruck who played nine games for Port and Geelong, Jackson Callow, a Norwood key forward, 18-year-old young gun who is, who is also being eyed off by Collingwood, who unfortunately have a selection before us, Ash Johnson, Sturt, uh, player for Sturt in the Sandful, 24-year-old key forward, who's also the cousin of Jai Farah, um, that'll be handy he's also being targeted by Collingwood uh, I think they should target Cody Rack a key defender from the Western Jets he made Toomey's draft team of the week but I haven't heard anything linking the Suns to him yet and uh, the other one is a young Ruckman from Collingwood uh, Collingwood's VFL side Ned Moyle so 210 centimeters tall there there's also been a couple of other players linked, a Ruckman for Carlton's VFL side, the 205-centimetre Alex Murkov, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see who the Gold Coast Suns select as it seems to all be dependent on Collingwood or Hawthorne and who they take, but the Suns will have two selections. And uh, the one I'm forgetting is apparently Fraser Thurlow is being closely looked at by the Suns and they could select him with their last pick if they don't select a Ruckman with their first pick in the draft tomorrow night. That's all, all right. we have time for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, and go Suns. Thanks, Shane. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com.